This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. A review, kind of, of Holland America's Rotterdam this week. And staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hello, Richard. Hello, Douglas. So uh, it looks like a Norwegian ship is getting their itinerary impacted in Alaska, but not until next year. Yeah, there are probably a whole lot of disappointed people out there because um, Norwegian just canceled an entire season's worth of Alaska sailings on the Norwegian Spirit. Uh, I mean, the good news is that the impacted cruises weren't set to sail until July of 2024. So it's between July 3rd of 2024 and September 18th. All of those were axed because of what Norwegian is calling a full ship charter. There's not a lot of information about what this charter is, whether it's, you know, is the ship going to do Alaska sailings, but, you know, perhaps some uh, organization has booked it for a month, or is this one of those things where, you know, we've seen situations before where government agencies have paid to use a ship for, you know, two or three months for whatever they need. Now, usually that's in the case of emergencies, um, when there's been like a hurricane and they need to house people or shelter workers. But, you know, we've also heard a lot of talk over the last couple of months with various cities talking about the possibility of renting a cruise ship and using it to house, you know, immigrants with the flow of immigrants coming into the country. So there's there's really no way of knowing yet exactly what's going on. But we do know that they, the Spirit has canceled all of the sailings for Alaska. So the people who were impacted on those ships, they are getting a full refund fund, plus they're getting a 50% future cruise credit, which is specifically good on select Alaska sailings of either uh, the, uh, of select ships next summer. They also will be getting a 10% future cruise credit that can be used on any sailing between now and the end of 2024. I think December 31st, 2024 is the last date for that. So they, they are being given options. And like I said, it is good that it's quite a bit in advance. It's not like a last minute cancellation type of thing. Uh, and and I don't think if, if people do find their cruise being canceled and they take the full refund and all that, they won't have any trouble finding another cruise sailing during that period. Because as we've been talking a lot about, there are more ships than ever from a variety of cruise lines heading up to Alaska during the next cruise season. So, you know, yes, it sucks that your cruise is canceled, but you shouldn't have too much trouble finding something new. So I'm just going to say that sources say that the Norwegian Spirit is being chartered for 109 nights over in China next summer. But Norwegian has not confirmed that, but that's just what local sources over in Asia are saying. Interesting. So yeah. I wonder if it's being chartered for 109 nights. I guess that means sort of like maybe there's an agency over there that can sell, that that's going to sell, you know, um, uh, that, that thinks that it can fill the ship for that entire period. That's that's interesting. A terminal expansion is coming to a cruise port in Texas. You know, they say everything's bigger in Texas, and that is soon going to be true for the port in Galveston. 
Uh, over the past year or two, we've seen more and more ships sailing out of Texas. It's becoming, you know, a, one of the most viable ports. It's actually moved up to be the fourth largest port out of the U.S. And now Terminal 25 at Galveston is going to get a $53 million expansion so that it can roll out the proverbial red carpet for Carnival Jubilee next year. Uh, actually, later this year. The, the, the ship will start sailing out of Galveston later this year. Uh, Carnival was the first line to ever homeport a ship out of Galveston, so they've had a good relationship with that Texas port for quite a long time. Uh, the port also signed a deal, and I thought this was kind of cool. They signed a deal with Uber that will, you know, Uber will become one of their official transportation sources for p guests coming to and from the port. I don't know exactly what that means or how it works, but I have to assume that a lot of taxi drivers in Galveston are probably like, really? Come on, you know, you're, 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 you're signing a deal with Uber. What's the, what does that mean for us? In any case, this is just further proof that, you know, that Texas in general and Galveston in particular is definitely a force to be reckoned with when it comes to um, the future of the cruise industry. And two cruise lines are adjusting their deposit rules. A lot of people don't realize that Royal and Celebrity are connected, but they are sister lines. So when one makes a change, it's very often true that the other does as well. And in this case, they're both making a change that makes sense and sort of is in line with things that they have done in the past and trends, that, booking trends that they've seen, but I don't think it's going to go necessarily, I don't think it's going to be necessarily the most popular thing in the world. So what they're doing is effective June 1st, deposits for suites that you book uh, on either, uh, or you know whether it's the retreat on Celebrity or one of the nice suites on Royal Caribbean, the deposit you pay will be calculated as 10% of the cruise fare per guest. Previously, the deposit was like a set amount per, like it would be like $250. If it turns out that the 10% per person is less than what the standard rate used to be, then you will be charged the standard rate. It's all very confusing, but I'm sure when you go to check out, it'll just tell you how much to give them and you can hand that amount over. One of the reasons they're doing this is, if you remember a couple years ago, both of the cruise lines sort of realized, wow, suites are really at a premium now. And, you know, ships are building more and more suites as opposed to standard staterooms because they're popular and you can get a better price for them. But one of the problems that came along with that was people who were thinking about a cruise, you know, maybe six months down the line would say, you know what? Let's dream big. Let's book a suite. We can always cancel it when it gets closer and downgrade to something, you know, to to an inside or a or a balcony, something that's more within our price range. And so the first thing cruise lines did a couple years ago was basically say if you book a suite that deposit is non-refundable because they didn't want, they wanted to really discourage people from doing that, from booking something that was sort of outside their price range and that maybe they'd be able to do and then changing later. They wanted to be able to sell those suites and lock them in. So that was when they started charging and saying that you were going to pay a non-refundable deposit. Now they're upping the deposit amount. And I think, again, that goes in, that's sort of in line with what you're doing here. You want to lock them in and get that money there. Once you've locked in that amount of money and and you know it's non-refundable there's a pretty good chance you're not going to cancel you're going to do what you have to take you know whatever you have to do to take that cruise so that you don't lose you know 600 700 whatever it is dollars especially when it's 
10% of the cruise fare per person. That's a nice little chunk of change. So it makes sense why they're doing it. And I think the only people who are going to really be bothered by it are the people who were doing what I was talking about before, which are, you know, booking dream suites and then canceling them later. You know, I mean, I've looked at booking on Icon of the Seas, that three-story, you know, uh, $10 billion suite that they have on the back of the ship. I can't actually afford to do it, but it'd be fun to book it and say you're going to do it. But, you know, under these new rules, a lot less chance that I'm going to just book it randomly and then cancel it later. Yeah, and more money in-house, so. Yeah, oh, of course, anything they can do to get the money sooner. I mean, you you know, remember, it wasn't that long ago that your final payment was due, like, you know, 30 days before sailing. Now it's like like sometimes three, six months before mm-hmm. sailing because the more of that money they can get in their hands, the more interest they're earning on it as opposed to you. And the more you go onto that ship with empty wallet syndrome, meaning that you are more likely to spend mon- more money on things like, you know, the casino or uh, uh, the spa treatments, because in your mind, it's been so long since you paid off this cruise, you kind of forgot how much you spent on it. And that's what they want. <laughs> this next story is so cool. A milestone birthday on an Alaska cruise. I mean, first of all, um, the, the person we're talking about, Lieutenant Colonel James H. Harvey Third, and that's a name. Lieutenant Colonel James H. Harvey Third is a decorated uh, figure among the Tuskegee Airmen from World War II. So right off the bat, we're talking about a hero. You know, this is this is someone who has served their country. Second of all, he's turning 100 years old. So it's a hero who is marking 100 years. And uh, I guess when he was booking on and prepared to board the Discovery Princess in Seattle, they sort of realized, you know, this is, this is an important occasion. This is someone who deserves a bit of fanfare. And that's exactly what he got. He uh, was greeted with a bunch of pomp and circumstance as as he arrived on the ship, including a ceremonial welcome, and of course a cake, because you can't take a birthday cruise, let alone a hundredth birthday cruise, Mm -hmm. without there being a special cake. Uh, And it was just another situation where a cruise line, and specifically a cruise line within the Carnival um, corporate cruise family, really paid attention to and and gave paid tribute to a hero and that is something that you know carnival i think in my opinion does better than any other line they really you know they they really with the veteran service that they have on every single sailing uh on their carnival ships but across the carnival carnival corporation they really seem to have an appreciation for the people who have served this country as did uh lieutenant harvey and so they turned this into a really special occasion for him and his family and i mean does it get any better than being able to report on something that cool yeah for sure now this next story here to wrap things up uh we always hear of cruise passengers doing some uh bizarre things jumping off ships and surviving diving into the water off the ship off of cozumel and this one is uh it could have ended pretty bad for this guy you know, we're going from a hero in our last story to a zero in this story. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what to say about this kind of idiocy. It's You've probably seen the video. It's been making the rounds, uh, various social platforms, especially like TikTok. And it's the kind of thing that you and I talk about a lot where we almost don't want to talk about it because you don't want to give other idiots ideas. You know, ooh, I can become social media famous if I do this. But it is news and it, and, and it, it, it is worth 
talking about if only so that people tell their children, don't do this kind of stupid stuff. It happened on the Mardi Gras, apparently. And the ship, from what we can tell, the ship seems to be in port because the video was filmed from the point of view of someone on a ship next to it. Like as if you were standing on your balcony and you're looking across the way at a ship you know, that's docked next to you. It's not clear exactly why the young man in the video is climbing from one balcony to another. The theory is that like, maybe they were playing with something on their balcony and they threw it up in the air and it went over, you know, over the railing onto the balcony above them. But he's like, Climbing up there, someone comes out of the stateroom, hands him something, and he goes back down. And it's just idiocy. You know, anybody who's climbing out on their balconies and and going over the railing and stuff like that, you know, if you're at sea, obviously the danger is you could fall at sea. Here, the danger is you could fall to the deck below. We've seen people fall with tragic results in situations like that. You could fall to the concrete below. We've seen situations like that. There's just... There's so many bad outcomes that it just it, it just defies logic. It doesn't appear that the people involved were able to be identified during the sailing because Carnival released a statement saying, quote, when we identify guests with such questionable judgment, they are no longer allowed to sail with Carnival. But they don't say we did identify them and they are no longer sailing. They were basically saying something designed to discourage this from happening in the future or from other people doing this. And, you know, we, and, and again, they, they have definitely banned people for life. You'll remember back in April, um, there were a couple passengers who were, um, caught on TikTok fishing off of one of the ships and from their balcony. And those passengers were banned for life. We've, we've heard of this before, not just with carnival, with other cruise lines. And it's very, very smart of them to do that. In this case, as far as we know, these people have not been caught. So, um, chances are they could be coming to a cruise ship near you again, but you know, geez, just people don't do this. It's just stupid. And the, 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 the least problematic thing that might happen is you could be banned for life. The most problematic thing is you might fall and die, you know, like be smart. Listener question comes from Robin. You can email yours, Doug at cruiseradio.net. I am sailing out of New York city on an upcoming cruise next summer, but it says the cruise terminal is in Brooklyn. I am not from the East coast. What is the difference? That's a great question. A lot of times when you book cruises out of New York, it, it and, and the same thing happens when you're on like Expedia and you're booking a flight. It'll say New York or New York City area, you know? And so with airports, that might mean you're flying out of LaGuardia. It might mean you're flying out of Newark in New Jersey. When it comes to sailing out of New York City, we think of traditionally sailing out of Manhattan, that, you know, where, where most Norwegian ships sail out of. But other ships do sail out of other parts of New York City. There's, for example, um, the Meraviglia is MSC's first ship to sail out of New York City year-round. It is actually sailing out of Brooklyn. Now, it's not hard to get to. It's, you know, it's it's just right across the bridge, and there's plenty of parking over there. But if you go to Midtown Manhattan thinking that you're going to get on a ship and it's actually sailing out of Brooklyn, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. So you do want to make sure you know exactly which trip. They also sometimes clump Bayonne, New Jersey under New York. Like you think you're sailing out of New York City and then you look closer and you're like, wait, Bayonne? <laughs> well, what the, what the heck's up with that? So yes, when sailing out of New York City, be very, very careful and make sure that it's, you know, whether it's the pier in Midtown, 
the pier out in, I want to say Riverside, um, wherever it is in uh, Red Hook, probably in Brooklyn, or the the terminal out in Bayonne. All three are great terminals, um, but you just want to make sure you're going to the right one. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thanks, my friend. Always glad to be here. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Just back from a cruise? Let's talk about it. Email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Well, you know what to do, Richard. It's all you. So here's the thing. You just did a sailing that was 20 days Mm -hmm. from New York City to Amsterdam, I believe. And, you know, I've never been able to do a sailing that long. I'd really like to. The longest I've ever done is 10 days. But I, I have so many questions about this. First of all, well, tell me what ship it was, but... Like, did you get bored? It's 20 days, and a lot of those are at sea. Now, I didn't get bored, but you have to remember, I'm also a remote worker, so I can find work to be done, and sometimes uh, cruise ship internet can be challenging, so I can always find work to be done, and then some, and then some waiting on top of that. So, no, I didn't get bored, and I don't think that you would really sign up for a 20-night cruise right out of the gate. I think you'd have to work your way up to that. Like, before this, my longest was a... 16 night and then here we are in 20 so uh we'll see what happens next but no i I did not get bored well i just read about somebody who who signed up for one of these like you know 100 120 day sailings and it's their very first cruise and i'm like what if you get out there and you hate it (laughs) you know like that's that's a lot of money to spend on that kind of you know well i think i'll like it yeah, I was talking to uh, actually two people on our sailing. One was a mom and daughter, and one was a couple from the Midwest. And it was their very first cruise. And they chose this one just because they had family in Rotterdam. And the ship was, or they came, they had family that came from Rotterdam and came over on a Holland America ship years ago. So they wanted to retrace their voyage in reverse. And that's what this was, right? This was this was the Rotterdam, the Holland American Rotterdam. Am I right? Yeah. So it was, um, you know, last October they did the original voyage of it going from Rotterdam to New York City. So this one was basically that voyage in reverse, starting in New York City and ending in Rotterdam. Was there any like the other thing I worry about is meals? Like, you know, some people get a little picky and they're like, "Wow, the menu is basically the same." I've been on the ship for a week. By day six or seven. I've had everything there is to eat on this ship. Did they have a good rotation over 20 days or was it sort of like, okay, I'm going to have the pasta again? (laughs) I think there was a good rotation because every night there was different themes. Like if you start up in the buffet area, there were different themes up there. Of course, Tamarind is their Asian fusion restaurant. I think I did four nights there total throughout the voyage. I only did a handful of nights in the main dining room, but there was definitely always a different menu every night I went in there. 
And they also have the Pinnacle Grill, which is a steakhouse. And then some free options like the New York City Pizza by the Lido Pool. Um, there's like pizza, hot wings, all that stuff, which is included in the price of your cruise. Um, and you're a pretty easy eater. You're not really picky. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm fine. And then there's a French restaurant, which I didn't go to this time because it was like French seafood and it's really not my thing. And then also there's a Dutch cafe, which has like a lot of Dutch foods and like Holland America's split pea soup and all that stuff. So, um, and all that, all that is open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you definitely had options around the ship. So you and I are both sort of of the same mind when it comes to cruises that like even our worst cruise wasn't that bad. You know, it's, it's, it's still a cruise. It's still, you know, I'm still on the sea. So I know you had a good time on this cruise, but what was the downside? Was there anything that you were sort of like, okay, this I could have done without? I hate to sound like, you know, first world problems, but <laughs> because of where I was located, but probably just the the connectivity, but I have an issue with the cruise lines and all the cruise lines, not just this Holland America, um, really touting, oh, come with us. We have fast internet. We're, we're perfect for remote workers, all of this. And they get you on board and you're like trapped like rats where you're, you know, you're up at like two or three in the morning to, uh, to complete something because no one's online at that time. Did this ship have Starlink? No, this one does not. Uh, a couple of them do. Uh, but they have to be dry docked and retrofitted for this one. So with Rotterdam just coming out um, right after the shutdown, they, it hasn't been retrofitted yet. Because that's kind of what I'm wondering is, you know, have you done ships with Starlink? And has it been as, you know, as great a at sea internet experience as they tout it as? I personally haven't done one. I have uh, gotten a ton of emails and listener comments like, Anytime we do a Starlink story on cruise news today, people will comment saying, um, on Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas, watching you on Starlink, it's blazing fast and stuff like that. So, Really? Yeah, people are impressed with it. Um, I just personally haven't experienced it, but I cannot wait to. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I'm not sure. My next ship is Summit. I don't know if Summit has Starlink or not. I know I have the premium package, but I'm not sure if Starlink is something that they have signed up yet for. I I believe it was your Rotterdam sailing where you had that sort of special Titanic moment, wasn't it? So the day we were there was 111 years after the Titanic left for its inaugural voyage from Southampton, England, and the captain stopped the ship right where it lays to rest. So the captain said at four o'clock, we're going to be at that exact spot where the Titanic lays to rest. We went there. The captain shut the engines off of the ship. I mean, put it neutral, I guess is a better words. And did a ceremony with 2,600 of us on the very back of the ship, freezing weather, 40 degrees, but I'm sure nothing like that night. It was just, it was crazy, man. Just standing there on deck three, you're like 25 feet above the water looking down and watching the captain throw the reef uh, into the North Atlantic Ocean and just thinking of all the lives that were lost that night. And you were two miles right directly above that. That's that's sort of like, you know, the feeling that the one or two times that I went down to the World Trade Center, you mm -hmm. know, after, after 9-11. And you just, it's just sort of a very eerie feeling when you really stop and think about, you know, what, happened and yeah it's would you would you do another 20 25 day sailing i think i would i did some cool stuff i stepped outside of my comfort zone and tried a couple of things one like what i, I tried um painting so i did the whole a painting class 
Okay, there is something that I have known you for. I don't remember how many years, and I never knew. That's kind of... Uh, how did you become a Van Gogh fan, of all things? My first time in Amsterdam was 2012, and I went to the museum there. And I, I'm sorry, it wasn't the museum. I went to Van Gogh's house, his childhood home, and we toured it. It was through Viking River Cruises. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, this guy, he's a, this is an intriguing dude. And obviously, like, I wasn't... I, had, I didn't have the respect back then that I have now. Then on the bus ride back from his house to the ship, they played, um, was it Don McLean and the song Vincent? It made me think about his life, his art, and I just went down a rabbit hole. And then I, I bought a knockoff of Starry Night, a little three-panel painting there, and it's in my kitchen. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I like his blues. So what painting did you do on the ship? It was a firefly painting, the fireflies in the mason jar, like in this field. I am not as, as versed in Van Gogh as you are. Um, so I assume it was one of those classes where you get like, you know, 15, 20 people and there's an instructor and they, they sort of, you know, guide you through what you're doing. Yeah, it was really cool. It was paint. It was a, we had a blank canvas and we just started painting and like very slowly we started with the, the blue background and then we started sketching the mason jar the fireflies, the green for the grass. It was, I was impressed, man, because I, I have no artistic ability whatsoever. And being able to actually do this and come out with it, like, wow, this is cool. And then I, I have seen that on ships. Like Norwegian does something similar. I don't think it's Van Gogh, but whatever, you know, it's probably just like paint a bowl of fruit or whatever. And I, I will admit, I have always been intimidated to go into that because I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. Mm -hmm. I have no artistic abilities whatsoever. And so I'm sort of, intimidated by the thought of going into a classroom and painting something. And then after that, uh, well, the next day, rather, um, I did pickleball for the first time in my life. <laughs> I've never done it. And it, I'll tell you, you had to sign up. Like it, it was like saying pickleball signups. Like I was thinking, who the hell is going to do pickleball? But I went out there and there was probably a good hundred people out there. And I had to come back like two hours later to even to play the game because, or actually not to play, I shouldn't say play the game because I have still have, have no clue how to play, but I did some <laughs> instruction there and I, I can see why people appreciate it because it's definitely not as grueling as tennis. I guess you could say it's a mix between uh, tennis and ping pong, but it was, I, I don't know. All I know is that every ship seems to have it now, like Prima, you know, um, when, when Norwegian rolled out Prima, they had it. Mm -hmm. uh, we just reported on another ship last week or so that uh, was making a big deal about the fact that they would have a pickleball court. So apparently you are hip now. Well, I can see, I can definitely, like, I'm not coordinated at all and I was able to do it. So I, I can see the appreciation for it, but I, you know, other than like between uh, the pickleball and then. Uh, doing the art class, I just, you know, kind of hung out. You have seven or eight sea days in a row, right? So people are thinking, what are you going to do? I went, I did a lot of reading. There's a, a killer, this may sound stupid and cheesy, but there's a killer library on board with all brand new books in there that uh, was launched when the ship rolled out. Uh, the Crow's Nest, it's an observation deck that has like a 270 degree view from on top of the ship. Like, so you're above mm. where the captain is with digital charts up there, shows you where you are. Big touchscreen tablets are up there. Um, yeah. And just a lot of, a lot of chilling, relaxing, um, a lot of relaxing, but I don't know. Sometimes we all need the downtime. Like you're not, you're not booking this cruise to, to party your butt off for 20 days. Right. 
What about rough seas? I mean, like, that's one of the things I always think of when I hear about transatlantics. I worry about, you know, being at sea for seven days and being nauseous the entire time. Yeah, I think if you're taking that northerly route, you definitely um, should be able to handle seasickness because even though the ships do have stabilizers on them, um, there's a there's a point where you can't use them, right? Because it just couldn't be so rough. And so if you're going from like that northern Atlantic, like let's just say New York to northern Europe, uh, November and the, probably November through April, yeah, you're going to have a little bit of chop where you could. I mean, let's just go back to last November when I did the celebration. We had 40 footsies, and those storms just come out of nowhere out there. I mean, nothing was getting Ooh, knocked over. Oh, that must over. have been a ship full of green people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the captain did a good job, go, you know. And I think this one, we had 20 foot seas, uh, 18 or 20 foot swells. So, you know, it was a smaller ship than Celebration, too. So you definitely felt the rocking, but, like, it wasn't thrusting you over or anything like that. But, like, if you're looking for a transatlantic and you want to maybe avoid the uh, the seasickness, I mean, the weather's not predictable, right? So you might it might be slick as glass all the way across, but maybe consider one of those southerly routes, like going from, like, Miami or Lauderdale up to the Med instead of going from the Northern Atlantic to the Northern Atlantic, you know? Well, I also learned that if you uh, want to do a transatlantic and want to avoid seasickness, and if you have some nice clothing, uh, the Queen Mary 2 is the way to go because the Queen Mary 2, as the world's only ocean liner, is basically, uh, they can go through the roughest of waters and you won't even see a ripple on your water glass just because of the way ships used to be designed, I guess. Um, but it, I, I was reading about it recently because of uh, my neighbor and friend was planning on sailing on the ship and just apparently the ship uh, she was watching a video where the ship was going through a pretty big storm and the people were showing they put their glass on the railing and the glass didn't move like it just uh, it's pretty incredible so i guess that's another option if you want to avoid being seasick do you get seasick at all i mean you've been cruising for years do you ever get seasick no man i i love rough weather like put me in a rough sea any day of the week i'll sleep like a baby i love it i agree one time i went through a really bad storm on breakaway um i people all over the ship were freaking out i, I loved it i thought it was i i slept better than i ever had i just i and, and i also like seeing i like seeing how a ship functions in that kind of weather you know like once everybody has to be indoors and nobody can be outdoors you know how does the crew handle it how does the ship handle it i i'm totally into that kind of thing Anything else you want to tell us about the uh, Rotterdam sailing? The ports of call were really cool. It was 14 nights from New York to Rotterdam. And then it was six nights from Rotterdam up to Norway and Copenhagen. And then back, or I guess Denmark, and then back down to Amsterdam. What was the coolest thing you saw? You know, being a Disney fan and Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen was really cool because a lot of inspiration from Disneyland and Walt Disney World were taken from there. It's also the second largest um, theme park in the the world, I believe. And then also went to the Little Mermaid statue um, in Copenhagen as well. That was neat. Oh! Which was cool. Well, it sounds like it was a pretty amazing trip. And um, I am really, really glad. I know you you, you you were a little bit hesitant, to, you know, because that's 20 days away and all that. And I think, I think ultimately it was a really good decision for you to go. It was that. And I, I will say this, too. Um, definitely uh, a tip of the hat to Holland America's music entertainment. They have that Rolling Stone rock room 
Mm-hmm. And they had some, the bands there were kicking between the BB Kings Blues Club and the Rolling Stone Rock Room. And I'm not really a piano bar kind of guy, but they had the dueling pianos every single night as well. So there was definitely music. And like Holland America has this uh, stigma for being a, a old person's cruise line. I will say like I was, I was up in the library working until like one in the morning, some nights, and they were they were still rocking in the rock room. So the, the music on there was, in fact, I put my stuff away a couple of times and just sat in there for a little while and listened to some tunes because there's nothing like a good live and there, there's no background tracking or background vocals, just raw music. And that's what it was. And I, I absolutely loved it. That is one of my favorite things to do on any ship is, is as the night goes on, like after dinner, just wander around. And, you know, there's usually like three or four different places that have music going on and just finding, you know, just going from place to place and hearing uh, what what they're hearing. Well, you have dispelled some rumors for us or some myths, I should say, for us. You bet, man. And thank you so much for stepping in and doing this. You know, I always like to have someone interview me instead of being the one always interviewing. It's a nice, uh, refreshing change. So thanks again, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.